powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. I am Andrew Berkshire. I've got a great guest with me today, Sebastian High. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff, like the Montreal Canadiens just losing a game to the Colorado Avalanche, a game that they very much deserve to lose. But, uh, you know, Jake Allen, he did his thing. It's been a consistent thing this year that the Canadians goaltending has bailed them out time and time again. So we're going to talk about Arturi Lekkanen because how can we not talk about Arturi Lekkanen? He scored on his former team tonight, played great. And uh, we're also going to talk about some draft eligibles for this upcoming season because, you know, Canadians fans, they're, they're a little bit sad when the Canadians lose. And they also seem to be a little bit upset when the Canadians win because you want to continue to get this tank going, right? But at least the Florida Panthers are there to keep losing and give the Canadians yet another shot at a top-end pick. All right, let's get this show on the road. But before we do, you think you know the way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Like that Cole Caulfield 50-goal bet. It's looking decent, you know? He just keeps consistently finding ways to score. Almost did it tonight. And we're going to talk about Cole Caulfield, by the way, on tonight, because there's lots to talk about. Uh, sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. You want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus Please play responsibly. All right, I'm going to welcome my guest, uh, Sebastian. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I've got uh, myself set on the other camera, so let me just switch that in Zoom real quick so you guys can actually see Sebastian. There we go. That's fixed. You don't need double Andrew on, on the screen here. Nobody actually wants that. All right, first of all, Sebastian, happy holidays, because this is my last show uh, before the break. Uh, a little bit of a, like a minor announcement. I know Mark talked about it last show, but... Uh, on Friday, I'm not going to be able to make it. Mark's not going to be able to make it. So our moderator, Robert, is going to step in and host his first show for Game Over. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. I was kind of split on the World Juniors this year because, <clears throat> you know, all the stuff with Hockey Canada, right? And the, the board finally resigning kind of quieted everything down a little bit. And now there's a new temporary board in place. I think I'm going to watch the World Juniors. We decided as a company not to do Game Over Juniors this year. Just nobody was really comfortable with it. We're running seven shows now on, on Game Over. So we're, we're just going to let that be for this year. We'll probably go back to it next year. Obviously, we didn't do it over the summer. The summer was like an absolute no for us as uh, the controversy was going on. But hopefully we'll get it back. Oh, Sebastian's muted. Oh, my goodness. All right, we'll fix that right away. Let's figure that out uh, every time. There's always something. But uh, <laughs> yes, I got. I see Robert saying that uh, Seb is muted. Seb is not muted now. So basically what Seb Let's said go, is uh, <laughs> he said uh, happy holidays. His semester's finishing soon. And uh, yeah, fun, fun times. All right. So uh, destroyed by train of thought. <laughs> but uh, the World Juniors, obviously around the corner. I'm excited to watch it just because, you know, Bedard Wright on the same team, it, it's going to be crazy. Uh, the The World Juniors that they were together for last year, we, we were kind of robbed of. I don't, like, I watched the gold medal game in the summer and saw, like, Mason McTavish having perhaps the greatest moment ever in the World Juniors, but, like, nobody really <laughs> talks about it because, 
don't think anybody watched that tournament, but this one no. I, I'm sure will have some eyes on it. Um, but let's get into the game, uh, Sebastian, because I feel like there's actually a fair amount to talk about in this one. And I wanted to start with Cole Caulfield because like, we're going to talk about Anthony Richard, obviously. I feel like his goal was amazing. It's a really awesome story. But I was just looking through the data before we started the show. And I, was, I, I didn't think that the top line had like that spectacular of a night. But I noticed like Caulfield looked dangerous. Doc was moving the puck pretty well. Suzuki, I think, has been a little bit off lately. But then I went and looked into it. And they were the only line that were above 50% in shot attempt differential. The line was above 70% in expected goals for percentage. And because the rest of the team was so bad, Caulfield specifically was plus 57% in expected goals for percentage relative to teammates. A number I have (laughs) never seen ever, which like in raw numbers, he was about 74.6%, which means the team without him was below... 30%? 30%? No, below 20%. That's bad. Yep. But good for Caulfield. Good. <laughs> good for Caulfield. Not not good for anyone else. <laughs> I mean, yeah, pretty much. Like uh the whole game watching the guys skate to the bench and you know you hear all the time about uh, Colorado having the the high altitude and that being an issue. You could tell it was for the team like they just were not they didn't have it in the bag. I, like in the first period, that line had the puck and had the Avalanche stuck in their zone. With uh, I forget who I think it was Alex Newhook lost his stick, and they were had them hemmed in, but they couldn't create any offense and ended up doing a line change while they still had control because they they just had nothing left. It made me think of uh, the old Pierre Maguire uh, saying the sucking dirty pond water. It was uh, kind of <laughs> tough to watch tonight. Yeah, but I think the player that caught my eye the most tonight was Kirby Doc. Um, his his transition game tonight was was beautiful. Uh, like the one the one zone entry where where then a penalty was called, which was on like the earlier slash instead of a very obvious trip at the end of of his entry. That was just like like I, I would show that to players as just like this is how you enter the zone on a solo rush, right? Like. You delay, you get into the zone, you go around behind the net, protect the puck, user physicality, low center of gravity. Every aspect of it was beautiful. Uh, and it's nice to see Kirby Doc getting those mechanics down because one of his biggest issues in Chicago last year was like he always kept his center of gravity very high and he was just constantly getting shoved off of pucks like, like he was weighing 110 pounds rather than 210. And he's getting those, those mechanics down and uh, he's looking... Very, very good for the Habs this season. And that 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 top line is so ineffective without him, which is really telling to like like, like the necessity of having a high IQ player complementing Caulfield and Suzuki. Because I, I still personally want to see Doc develop at center, but no one else on the team can come close to his impact on the top line. Yeah, that's kind of the issue with the way the Canadians are I don't want to say built because it's not like Hughes and Gorton built this team. <laughs> they just inherited a yeah. bunch of really bad contracts and some good players to kind of build a ramshackle thing while they rebuild around it. But uh, without like those three players, especially with Monahan and Gallagher injured, there's really just nobody that can play with them, right? Like we we've seen Josh Anderson for 
a good stretch of games now. Too many he, games. He can't too many handle games. that line. Like he just can't think no. on their level. You know, we've seen Hoffman go up there, and like the underlying numbers are okay with Hoffman, but it seems like they get more concerned about having to cover for Hoffman and can't create as much offense with him there. So, yeah, it's like, just honestly, I I'd love to see uh, the Habs try either Drewing or Slavkovsky on that top line because. Well, with Slavkovsky, he just hasn't gotten a single shot there yet, and I think no one else on the team has earned a shot other than Doc. So, like, why not just try Slav on the top line? And Droy, I think, is the only other forward other than than Doc and Slavkovsky that can actually think at the same pace as Coffill and Suzuki. So why not give it a go, right? Also, he, he'd be playing on his off wing, which St. Louis likes a lot, so... I feel like, like there are far worse options. Like I'd, I'd rather throw in Drouin than try Anderson for the 11th time. Like, why yeah. not? Yeah, Kay in the chat says, hey, quick question. What the F was Armia doing there? I'm assuming they're talking about the power play. I'm not sure, but hey, that's Yoel Armia who got an assist tonight, okay? Put some respect on his name. Did he? he got, yeah. He, got, he did. On, on Anthony oh, Richard's goal. He was the guy who oh, made beautiful. the breakout. And then... Yeah. Uh, what, what, uh, I mean... Who was it who passed it up to him? Jake Evans. It was Jake Evans. But, I mean, Armia, I think, got, like, a couple of shifts on that top line, right, in this game. Um, yeah, I don't know what. I, I don't know why. <laughs> he he didn't he didn't look worse than Anderson did there, so there's that, I guess. Well, I think, um, weirdly, I think Armia is a smarter hockey player than Josh oh, Anderson. I, I, but oh, he's without a doubt. Like, far less yeah, skilled. Sure. I mean... Well, skill is uh, no, the right he, word. I feel like he's, people... he's more he's more skilled than yeah. Anderson. He's smarter than Anderson, but he can't think. But he's fast. less consistent. He's less consistent than Anderson, which is a problem because Anderson's already inconsistent. Yeah. Um, because like with Armia, it's that all the tools are there, right? Like, I completely understand why he was a first round draft pick. Like, he has everything that most scouts would love to see in a player, right? He ha- he has. The, the soft hands, he has a wicked release, he has the physicality, like incredible puck protection skills. And he just, he puts it together once every 20 games and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. He, like you watch him in practice and it's, he looks like Mario out there. And then in games, I, I feel like there's a disconnect between like the speed of his brain going to his hands versus like when you have time and space, right? And it, there's yeah. just some players like that. A lot of them, like career NHLers who score, or not NHLers, sorry, uh, American Hockey League players who score like crazy amounts of goals in in the AHL and they get their cup of coffee in the NHL and they can never really get over that hump. And part of that is just like manufacturing the speed from brain to hands, right? Or brain to feet and reacting to NHL speed. And it seems like that's been a consistent issue with Armia. And he is the player that he is. I feel like he's also been, you know, cursed by some sort of devil this year. Yeah. <laughs> I it's, ran... it's, been a, it's been a tough year, even by his standards. It has. And last year was much the same, right? I think he scored a goal yeah. early last year, and then he went essentially the entire season without scoring until does, the Does very he have, like, 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 14 points since he signed that contract or something ridiculous like that? Like, Is it that he, high? He has... I mean... It's like 14 points in like 78 games or something, but like it's oh, he, had, he had 14 points last year. Oh, okay. Sorry. Which is so he, he's up to 17 then. Okay. Wow. 17 or 18 if they haven't counted his assist tonight yet. So 
I, I thought he was at two points before. No, no, he's so he's like... got three. So I, I didn't know oh, how okay, he had updated his uh his assist yet. So he's got seventeen points on that contract. Brutal. Beautiful. What I find sad yeah. about Armia is like you if you look at his production as a Montreal Canadian before this year, and you averaged out so... playoffs and regular season, and you averaged out per eighty two games, people will not believe this. He's averaged as a Canadian seventeen goals per eighty two games. And you yeah. watch him now, and you'd never expect him to be able to score no. like that. But I the, think the confidence is shot. Like, the confidence his is confidence shot. Is absolutely shot. And he's one of those guys who, because he's a relatively intelligent player uh, in terms of like puck protection and, and making the right play, that coaches have confidence moving him up the lineup. And I, I think he just needs to be on the fourth line. Like he is a luxury, amazing fourth liner on a contending team, and in every other role. There's like too much pressure on him to score, and he just can't do it. But he also just hasn't been good on Montreal's fourth line this season. So, how, how much has he played I, on the fourth line? I know he was tonight, well, but mainly, mainly, I think. I, I feel I, like he's played a lot sure with uh, with Dvorak, and he's played with Monahan. I mean, there's been a lot of line shuffling this season, but I'm pretty sure he, he's played the most games on any line on the fourth. Like, yeah. like he and Evans have been pretty much tied at the hip for the last like month and a bit. So, yeah, uh, Noel yeah. said someone said last year they banked on the wrong Finn and Armia. I mean, I think <clears throat> anybody that went into like deep diving analytics would have told you that, right? But but also you would not have been able to get a second in Justin Barron for you all that's Armia true. at the deadline. That's true. So well, I mean, you would have just lost in the Habs, agency, right? And the Habs just didn't have the cap space, like. I like to sign another like middle six winger. And I love Lekkanen. I, I think he is an incredible second line winger, but the Habs just don't have the cap space to sign a second line winger at $5 million a season. I, I know he's making four and a half in Colorado, but he's taking a bit of a discount to stay in Colorado there. But well, he might've taken a discount Habs, to stay in Montreal too. I feel like may, he, he like that. It's hard to speculate maybe, on that stuff. But still, like, four and, a, four and a half is what, what Mike Hoffman's making, right? Like, yeah, the Habs would have had to, to to find salary somewhere, or it could have just meant that they wouldn't have been opened up to acquiring Sean Monaghan in that first-round pick. So if you look at it as trading Lekkanen away for Baron a second, Monaghan in a first, right? And whatever you get for Monaghan. There's, like, a trickle-down yeah, exactly. effect, right? I mean, yeah. it's the same like, as Tyler like Toffoli. Just, yeah, like, yeah. It, it's absolutely it's just incredibly valuable in this league. It yeah. is, especially for a rebuilding team, especially for a management group that's willing to weaponize it like they did with Monahan, right? And you know, I think everyone loves Lekkanen at this point. You know, after scoring the goal on Jean Baptiste Day to send the Canadians to the Stanley Cup final, and then watching his success last year with Colorado, I, I feel like he went. He's gone from a guy who was a little bit divisive in the fan base to just like almost universally loved people recognize his value. Yeah. Now he's played essentially first line minutes uh, with the Colorado avalanche ever since he was acquired uh, first or second line, been on their top power play unit and killing it. I believe he has like 13 power play points now this year after tonight scoring the power play goal. So great to arc of his career for Arturi Lekin after he was kind of pigeonholed in Montreal just because he was good defensively. But uh, and, and he he's almost viewed at like Armia is now a couple years ago in Montreal as as a player who had scored in the past but who had absolutely no finish had like 
two breakaways a game and miss net every single time, but had defensive value, which is kind of what Armia is now, except for the, the breakaways, right? But yeah, like it's 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 so nice to see that 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 Lekkonen has has really returned to I guess what his potential was from the beginning, right? Like an 18 goal rookie season, everyone had high hopes. And then for a few years there where he was exclusively used as a shutdown guy without any offensive opportunities. Yeah. It's nice to see that his fortunes have changed for the best. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Uh, Anthony Richard, I feel like we've got to talk about him a little bit because uh, obviously you always want to score your first goal as soon as possible in your NHL career. Uh, Richard had to wait until he was 26 years old. He turned 26 yesterday, but only his fourth NHL game and his second with the Canadians wearing the name Richard, having the the balls to put nine on his jersey while wearing Richard. That's oh, so good. I, I, love I love it. it. I love it. It's just, and I know he's not related to Henri or Maurice, but I do. I just love it. It's it's such an image to see a Richard playing for the Montreal Canadiens, and. Has there been a better first goal that you can remember outside of like, I feel like Brendan Gallagher's was really nice. He had a nice uh, one. Yeah. Caulfield like, had a really nice one. Oh, it, sorry. It, it, Caulfield's takes the cake, right? As yeah. the OT winner. Um, but that was, it was just brilliant. Like the shoulder to, to get himself space. He, he, he used all the strength to all the strengths like really to their maximum on that play i think that play really encapsulates what he can be at his best which is an extremely speedy north south player uh he he does lack that like lateral mobility and dynamic ability but just blistering speed and yeah like 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 he really uses body very well to shield the puck there then cut across and fool Georgiev. like it was it was a very very pretty pretty first goal yeah, it was great. And I I do think he wore down as the game wore on a little bit. You know, the whole team around him was terrible, so I wouldn't, like, call him out or anything. But early in the game, I feel like he was really the energy guy. He was bringing everything uh, offensively. He was kind of the guy who was keeping things going for the Canadians. And over as the game wore on, I feel like his line kind of fell apart a little bit. But that's not really on him, right? He's the complimentary guy called out from the American Hockey League. But how do you how do you see him? Because at 26 years old, you're not a prospect. It, no. Like obviously he is what he is, but he's scoring like mad with the Laval Rocket. Scores right away in his call up from Montreal. Could be could he be a guy that's like the next Matthew Darsh who just like takes advantage of an opportunity and carves himself out an NHL career? this late in the game or is this like just calm down he's a guy who's probably going to go back into the ahl pretty quickly and score well there but this is not something to be banking on i mean personally I, like i i'm higher on richard than i am on a guy like like Pizzetta. um i think that richard is is limited i i don't think people need can get their hopes up uh, of him being like a top nine NHL player. I, I just think the tools are too limited there in terms of, of, of just high end hockey IQ and the playmaking upside and the dynamism. And, and I guess just like, there is no East West movement in his game. It is entirely North South, which works fine in the AHL, but limits you in the NHL. However, I think he could be a very, very, very effective fourth line checking forward on even a pretty good NHL team. Like he has, 
he has this uh, he has the standout ability that any fourth liner needs in his speed and he creates with it he has a good shot he knows how to get the goalie moving uh, through like, across his, his crease I, I think it's fully reasonable to to hope that he can become a fourth liner on this team but I mean, at the same time, you have a guy like like Pitlick now in 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 Laval, back in Laval to to get Richard in, who I also think is a perfectly solid fourth line NHLer, right? Like fourth liners are just like there are so many players that are good enough to be on like a fourth line in the NHL, especially on a rebuilding team. Mm-hmm. But but Richard's story is just so compelling and. And I know, like, like I, I first took notice. Um, I was at like the interest squad game uh, that the Habs had in 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 uh, training camp, and he scored like two or three goals in that game. I didn't care about the goals; it was just the speed. Like, I was sitting pretty much at, at ice level, right, like at center ice, and he was just zooming by. Like, the speed is really, really incredible, um, and. Yeah, I I'd I'd love to see him stick with the Habs. Like it's it's a great story. Having just a Richard in the lineup at all is just wonderful, especially when he's wearing number nine as part of his number. Uh so I, I'd love to see him stick. I just I just love the cojones to sit there and put oh, nine on his jersey with the last name Richard. It's just to me that speaks to a guy who has so much confidence in himself that he's inviting that comparison. Even though he's not related, you know how crazy the Montreal, like the the magnifying glass is. It that's just awesome. The fact that he scored right away is fantastic. I wish it would have been at the Bell Center because I feel like the that pop, would have been fun. Oh, the pop would have been incredible. It would have been incredible. Hear Michelle Lacroix say his name. <laughs> like, come on, would have been perfect. But you know, they'll take what they can get. All right, <clears throat> Jake Allen. Obviously, there's not really that much to say, I think, anymore about the Canadians' goaltending, but we have to shout them out because how do, how can they keep doing this to him? You know, like <laughs> he has to put up with so much, and I feel like the Canadians, what they lacked in stopping passes going through the middle of the ice tonight, they made up for in a lot of ways in shot blocking, but panic is the name of the game for their defensive structure right now. Oh God! And yeah, the goaltenders have had to be incredible, and Allen was tonight. But uh, I guess also for everybody who's here and enjoying the stream, make sure you like and subscribe and all that jazz. But Sebastian, what do you think of Jake Allen? He's stealing games. Uh, both he and Montembeau have been stealing games all season. Um, the Habs really shouldn't have one of like the ten best goalie tandems in the league, but they somehow do so far. Um, I I'd be very curious to see. If if teams just make overpayment offers for Jake Allen at the deadline, I, I don't think Montembeau is going to get quite the same attention uh, in the NHL just because he doesn't have that track record. Right. Whereas Jake mm-hmm. Allen has been part of a Stanley Cup winner, even though he didn't play in that playoff run. He was part of that team. Uh, and same thing in, in the Habs playoff run. The Habs wouldn't have made the playoffs if it weren't for Jake Allen that year. And he has that that veteran presence. He's he's signed at a reasonable number for the next few years. I know he's signed that wanting to stay in Montreal, but if a team comes in with an offer the Habs can't refuse, 
just because Jake Allen really has been stealing games for a bad team this season. That could be an interesting thing, but he's he's been he's been incredible, and I I really have a like a true appreciation for Jake for Jake Allen. I, I've I've loved him his entire tenure here. He's one of the the funnest interviews on the entire team consistently. Uh, he's a likable veteran who is also just very very, I guess, honest and realistic with his own valuation and his own like role on this team and and i really appreciate that uh so part of me does want him to, to just stick around because I, I i like having him on this roster but the habs might just get offers for him and on this team and with the, the direction they're going in the more draft picks you can add or futures you can add you kind of have to consider it yeah you do and it's probably a little bit tougher to to move a guy with two years left but his contract's not that big and you can always take back salary. Like like goalies age better than basically any other other position. Right. So as volatile as they are, Jake Allen has been consistently good for the Habs and, and he's, he has not declined with age just yet. So I, I could see a desperate team with an injury just taking a run at him, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, or a team like Edmonton who needs somebody oh. to be there for uh, for Skinner, and it, so far it hasn't uh, been Campbell. But uh, you know they're going to trade for Edmonton for first. <laughs> oh, or, or package deal? Why not? Yeah, there you go. Josh Holloway, throw, their throw, first round throw pick, Anderson, and Jesse Pouliot. Anderson in, in as well. Just just get all their <laughs> prospects, all their picks. All right, so mega deal with the Edmonton Oilers. It's Josh Anderson, yeah. Jake Allen, and Joel Edmondson going to Edmonton. For Jesse Pugliarvi, Holloway, and their first round pick, does that seem fair? I think you can get another th- first round pick. In Not there. two first round picks. All right, yeah. done deal. Call Ken Holland, <laughs> sign it up, run away, hang up the phone. It's done. <laughs> Noel says the Oilers wish. Yeah, I mean, Jake Allen is such a stabilizing presence, right? And everyone's talking about his quote from the other night, the hot and horny. Oh, thing. it's great. It's so funny. <laughs> And I, I feel like that's an underrated thing that we don't see a lot with Jake Allen. I've heard a lot from people around the league is that he's like legitimately really funny in the locker room and guys really like him, which I think gives guys like something to play for as well, even in a season that's, you know, doesn't have a lot of stakes. And uh, Miss Epica in the chat says that Allen plays a lot better when the Canadians score first. And I think that's true as well. But I think that like you're also, we're also biasing the results there because when the Canadians don't score for first, it's usually because Allen's given up an early goal. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the way it goes. You can tell really early whether or not Allen is on or not. And uh, tonight very clearly he was on. And uh, I feel like unfortunately the Rantanen goal was not one of the top shots that he faced tonight in in overtime, but you know, you can't really fault a guy for the two on one. He should have conceded like four goals in this game. So can't really fault him. Yeah, the Colorado Avalanche had some crazy, crazy chances. And I feel like as much as uh, Allen was good, the defense blocked lots of shots, the Avalanche weren't, like, their finish was off a little bit to me. They were a little bit sloppy. They Like, they were very good at taking advantage of the Canadian sloppiness and their bad puck management. But in terms of converting that into scoring plays, it felt like they were a little bit sloppy tonight compared to what we would expect and maybe that comes down to missing some guys like they are 
Some guy named Nathan McKinnon's out. I, I don't know if you've heard of him. Who? Yeah, never heard of him. No one important. No, idea. Nah. no one like Sean Monahan or anything. No, no one important to the team. Although there's there's one a possible trade situation heading into the deadline. McKinnon? No, 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 what? not McKinnon. Okay. No, no, that would be great. Like, Imagine. No, no, no. Let's uh, just offer him David Savard, right? Like Savard <laughs> McKinnon one for one will make the cap space work somehow, I'm sure. But and, and this has gone totally off the rails. But I, I'm looking at the Colorado Avalanche and the loss of Nazem Kadri over the offseason. Like, is JT Comfer who they want to go into the playoffs with as their second-line center? I know he had to be their first-line center tonight, but I don't know if he's even a second-line center. Like, he's been a decent third-liner for a long time, but they want to win another cup this year. Would I could see them looking at Sean Monaghan and the exceptional season he's had so far, and as long as he can stay healthy, that could be an ad for them. I could I could even see them going for a guy like like Dvorak instead or or just trying to get one of the two out of Montreal because I th- I think Dvorak would fit their style really nicely of just adding some of that grit for the playoff run. He has the faceoff capabilities, he has the defensive consistency. Um but does he Monahan I mean, I think I, I, hmm, he, he's a very he good sure penalty didn't. killer. He's, he's, he's a very good penalty killer. He is a good penalty at, killer. At the, at the very least, he has a penalty killing. Yeah. Um, but obviously, Monaghan's a better fit in terms of, of just cap because the half just retain half and then they're rid of the contract. Uh, but I, I'm very curious to see in what direction the Habs go between now and the deadline because they could just shop their expiring contracts, but they could also shop guys like Anderson and Allen and Dvorak and try to just... I guess sell as much as possible because the 2023 draft is pretty stacked. And if they can get another first round pick or two, that would be uh, very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they can get another 2023 first round pick, they kind of have to do it right. Like there's, there's yeah. not much that isn't nailed down that they wouldn't be willing to move for that. You, you've got to stack as much as you can right now, because this is the time where you have a bunch of players who are going to graduate into the NHL around the same time you actually build a contender around this, this really deep draft where they already have a lot of picks, but, uh, Oh, Kay says she has to check out. Oh no. Claire has to check out. So good night, Claire. Thanks for joining us on this slightly late night delayed by overtime and a late start tonight. But, uh, trying to think of what else there is to talk about for this game. I feel like not a lot. The Canadians weren't very good. Right, but let's let's do uh, really. let's talk <laughs> about the 2023 draft just shortly here because obviously the Canadians do lost have two first round picks, right? And the Florida Panthers lost again, yes. which is fantastic. It reminds me of that uh, the meme with the two guys in the bus and one looking out the the window, yeah, and seeing the rock and set. It's like when the Canadians win and ruin the tank, and then it's like when the Florida Panthers lose and fix it again. Yeah, it's really funny how much that team has not been able to get it together. And they've been like, bad. Their underlines are actually fine. No, yeah. I, I know they are. Their their finishing has been through the floor. They they just oh, cannot yeah. score if their life depended on it. And they've been losing leads consistently. They and they were up on New Jersey today and they blew it. Who would have guessed that the incredibly unreliable season to season goaltending that they relied on last year would not be the same this year? Like and, and who would have thought that Paul Maurice did not actually would not actually improve the team? Funny how oh. you mentioned <laughs> the all-time <laughs> losingest coach in NHL history who 
consistently has had terrible goaltenders his whole career, except for Connor Halibut. And, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky, you look at his career, right? And it's almost every season after season. It's like great season, terrible season, great season, terrible season. It switches constantly. And Sergei Bobrovsky, great season last year, not so good this year. Predictable, right? And then Spencer Knight, young goaltender, not ready to take the reins. Predictable. So this whole situation with the Florida Panthers is giving the Canadians most likely at least another mid-first round pick. Who are some guys that you have your eye on, Sebastian, in that middle of the first round uh, for 2023? I mean, it's tough to say at this point just because I'm, I'm at this point really waiting for Bob McKenzie's midterm rankings to kind of just get a better sense of where NHL teams think guys are going to go because I have a guy ranked fourth overall that I think could very realistically be available at 16th. Uh, And that is Andrew Cristal. Andrew Cristal uh, is like, if it weren't for Connor Bedard, he would be like the biggest focus in the WHL in terms of point production. Uh, He's sitting at, I believe right around 1.8 points a game on a Kelowna Rockets team that uh, is bad they are under 500 uh on the season uh he is leading their their team in points by like 15 or 20 points uh he is just dominant on that team and uh for some reason many lists that are like actually consulting with nhl teams have him like the back of the end of the first or even like he wasn't even an a-grade prospect until a month ago which is just absurd to me uh like like i i released my first actual ranking today which is only a top 20 because i've been like it's been it's been really tough to kind of split hairs in like the late end of the first for me uh but i was really considering putting crystal above mitch mitch cub at three like i i really really love crystal he's the he's the best playmaker in the entire draft class uh tremendously skilled super deceptive uh incredibly dynamic uh he's not the quickest necessarily and and he is undersized but he's not tiny or weak he uses his skill his size quite effectively to leverage opponents off the puck and to win board battles he's really inside driven he initiates contact quite consistently the big thing with him is that there is like next to no defensive work rate uh, at this point in his career and that that is like legitimately my biggest worry with him uh but the the offensive skill is just so high end i would i would swing on him at fourth overall, fifth overall, sixth overall. So if he's available for some odd reason in the 16 range with the Florida pick and the Habs get a player with very legitimate first line upside as a winger uh, for Ben Sherratt, uh, I'd be very happy. I, I would really <laughs> like that personally. Um, so he, <clears throat> he's definitely one that I have my eye on. Yeah, the way that you described him sounds like a poor man's Nick Suzuki, basically a Nick Suzuki without defense. He, I would say he's more of, 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 again, it's not a perfect comparable, but like a no, few people no purple, purple have said it, but more along the lines of a Mitch Marner, that, that, that's, that, that's more the comparable I would make. Um, and I wouldn't really have many detractors to take, to like reduce his value compared to Mitch Marner in his own draft year. Wow. I mean, Marner went, for, went fourth overall in 2015, which was the last draft that was comparably good to 2023. Um, 
And I have Crystal at four. So I, I, I can I, I can totally see those, those comparables of just like genuine elite game breaking skill and playmaking ability. He also has a very good shot and he finds open space very, very well. Like he is he's a tremendous player. If we're talking poor man's Nick Suzuki, there we could go a bit further down the draft. Uh there is uh there, there are two OHL centers that could kind of like put more in that kind of range. Uh Luca Pinelli who plays for for Ottawa and uh Callum Ritchie, who plays for Oshawa. Uh, both of those guys are, are really smart 200-foot centers um, whose skating is not necessarily the biggest strength. Uh, so there you kind of have that, that Nick Suzuki mold. Um, and both the, I have those two ranked back-to-back, I believe at like 14 and 15. or No, no actually, I have uh, Pinelli at 14, Braden Yeager at 15, and um, Callum Ritchie at 16. But Braden Yeager, I think, is also kind of kind of comparable in there but his defensive game has dropped off so far this year last year he was looking like a really really good defensive center and this year that just has not been there interesting that usually you don't see a drop off like that unless a player is traded to a different team or taking on like a way bigger role something like that but and he he has the exact same roles last season he was playing first line center last year as well so so random yeah so so jaeger was in a lot of like top five rankings going into the season and he still isn't a few that I'm seeing, but for me, I, I, I wouldn't consider him in the top 10, really. Yeah, Aaron Itovich is in the chat saying if the Habs get Crystal, we might get a Hudson-level reaction video. I mean, everybody loves yep. Lane Hudson right now. I, I've seen some wild takes recently. I think people are just traumatized by watching the Canadians' power play, and they want him to go pro next year. I mean, it's not happening. Look, I, I, I ranked Lane Hudson 11th overall in the draft last year, I, um, which I believe is higher than any other public scout had him. Um, even I'm saying, like, give him one more season in, in the NCAA. Like, I just give it. Don't rush him. Like, be careful. Don't make the mistakes that, that the organization has made so many times before. Uh, just give him time to marinate for one season uh, on top of this one. But yeah, like what, what Aaron is referencing there is because I, I was live streaming the draft and uh, when the Habs picked Hudson, I kind of freaked out. Um, <laughs> and if the Habs got Cristal, I'd also kind of freak out. So uh, yeah, he's he's definitely correct. Yeah. All right. Um, let's let's cut it there because I'm tired <clears throat> and uh, it's a late game. and I've got to get up when the kids <laughs> get up tomorrow morning. <clears throat> Sorry. Stuff. But before we close it out. <clears throat> Trizak says that Anderson is to NHL GMs like the bad boy is to girls. They both look at him and say, I can fix him. Every team wants Anderson. I have to say, <laughs> you're probably not wrong. But watching this game, I continually... All I could think watching Nikushkin was, Nikushkin is who teams think Anderson is. And mm-hmm. so many teams... But Anderson just isn't Nikushkin. No, just no. isn't Nikushkin. And he can't uh, be sadly. He he, no. he doesn't have he, he doesn't have he lack he lacks the dynamic ability. He lacks the hockey IQ and he lacks the hands. Like yeah. there's way too much missing there. Yeah, yeah. He can drive the net. He can do that part, but he can't he can. get the shot yeah. off. No. Yeah. All right. Or play consistently. Or play consistently, but you know, someone trade for him. Someone trade a please. lot for him. It'll be great. I swear it'll Give work us two out. First round picks, please. You can fix him. You can do it. The Canadians, they're not good enough to fix Josh Anderson, but you, team, that's a contender. Our coaching is not, is, not, is not progressive enough to fix e- Josh Anderson. Exactly. You can figure it out. You, contending team, 
You can put him with the guy who's going to change everything for him. He's going to score 35 goals. It'll be perfect. Robert says, I can fix him. All right, to the Leafs then. Josh Anderson to the Leafs. That's what we're doing for the entire Susan and Greyhounds. Give us All Nylander. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just Nylander. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Thanks for joining me, Sebastian. Uh, before we close it out, Sebastian, can you tell everybody where to find your work? Uh, mainly just on Twitter. Uh, it's, it's high underscore Sebastian on Twitter. Um, I I will be releasing my full top 32 rankings for the, for the draft right around New Year's. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for that and uh, expect lots of World Junior updates. I'll also get back into the habit of uh, making some more of the video analysis threads that I was doing over the summer, which were all quite popular. Uh, so if you have any suggestions, feel free to write me a message. Uh, but yeah, basically just Twitter is is where I centralize all of my work. Yeah, and those threads were fantastic. If we could just get like every couple days a Lane Hudson thread, I feel like everybody would be very happy. That would that would make my, my my mental health so much better just by watching more Lane Hudson. Like I'd be so happy. <laughs> it's just the same thread, but you can just release it every couple days. Just like a little <laughs> shot of uh, endorphins there. It'd be fantastic. All right, everybody. <clears throat> happy holidays. Have a good one. Enjoy time with your families. Be very, very nice to Robert when he hosts on Friday. You owe it to him. He's fantastic. Best mod in the world. And uh, I will see you next Wednesday when I'm back from holidays. And uh, hopefully this team will give us more positives to talk about there. I don't care if they win or lose, but I'd like to see them play a little bit more like they did against the Lightning. Because, you know, I know they lost that game, but they lost it more on bad luck at even strength and bad special teams and than bad play even strength they played great tonight not so much arizona not so much and that ducks game let's not talk about it all right we'll see you next wednesday talk to you later game over powered by sports interaction canada sportsbook